Hey, this is Sandy, and welcome back to the Study Faithfully podcast. Super excited to have you back, and we're on our second season. So just in case this is your first time listening, I want to give you an overview of what we talked about in season one. So in season one, we pretty much went over some Bible basics. We talked about the seven reasons why we should study the Bible. We learned about the history of the Bible. We learned about how to study the Bible. And then we ended the season talking about what it means to actually grow and mature in Christ. So if you haven't listened to those episodes yet, I would highly recommend that you do. It'll help you build a pretty good foundation as we go through our journey of upcoming Bible studies and conversations. But for season two, I wanted to go through the Gospel of Matthew with you all. And I am super excited about this. I feel like it's the best way to tie in the Old Testament along with the New Testament and then help us get acquainted with who Jesus is himself. Now, the Gospel of Matthew is about 28 chapters long, so I figured it would be best to focus on key themes and stories throughout the book of Matthew rather than studying it verse by verse. And that's because a lot of the themes repeat itself throughout Matthew's Gospel. So as we study it this way, it'll help us build an overall picture of what the book of Matthew is all about. But before we get into the actual text of Matthew, I wanted to give you a bird's eye view of Matthew's Gospel and how it compares to the other three Gospels. So this is what this episode is going to be about. I'm excited and I'm ready to see what God has in store for us as we study this book. And like always, lean in and enjoy the episode. So what is the gospel? When you open up the New Testament, the first thing you'll notice is that there are four gospel accounts from Matthew to John. The term gospel comes from a Greek word that means good news. In the Old Testament world, the good news referred to God's deliverance of his people. For example, this word is used especially in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah 49 says, You who bring good news to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up and do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. Isaiah 52, 7 says, How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. The good news of peace and salvation. The good news that the God of Israel reigns. But in the New Testament world, it is referred to the proclamation of the good news about Jesus Christ, how his life, death and resurrection conquers sin and death and grants us eternal life. For example, Mark 1.15 says the time promised by God has come at last. The kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. And Paul writes in Romans 1 verses 1 through 4. He says this letter is from Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus chosen by God to be an apostle and sent out to preach his good news. God promised his good news long ago through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. The good news is about his son. In his earthly life, he was born into King David's family line, and he was shown to be the son of God when he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is Jesus Christ, our Lord. So as we know it today, the gospel account describes those written versions of the good news about Jesus Christ. They both recount history of Jesus's life and ministry and aim to persuade readers to acknowledge Jesus as Lord and become his disciples. So you're probably wondering why we have four different gospel accounts. You'll notice that each gospel is named after a person. They are named after the person who wrote them. And these writers are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew and John were two of the original disciples, but Mark and Luke weren't. Mark was the cousin of Barnabas and also traveled with Paul and Barnabas on their first missionary journey. Scripture also tells us that he had a close relationship with Peter and was likely a writer for him, which helped him compile his gospel account. 
And Luke was a Greek physician and historian, and he also traveled with Paul on his missionary journeys. But not only are they named after each writer, but they all write from different perspectives. Mark wrote to a Gentile audience, and Gentile just means that they were non-Jews, and he emphasized Christ as the suffering servant, the one who came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Luke also wrote to a Gentile audience, but specifically to a man named Theophilus, who some say was a Roman official. As a historian, Luke states that his intent was to write down an orderly account of the life of Christ based on the reports of eyewitnesses. Luke often refers to Christ as the Son of Man, emphasizing his humanity, and his gospel is seen as universal in nature because it has the least amount of Jewish references. Christ came to save the nations, not only the Jews. The Gospel of John is unique from the other three Gospels because it contains much more theological content in regards to the person of Christ and the meaning of faith. The Gospel of John begins not with Jesus' birth or earthly ministry, but with the activity of the Son of God before he became man. The Gospel of John emphasizes the deity of Christ, but it also emphasizes Jesus' humanity in response to a religious group of the day called Gnostics who did not believe in Christ's humanity. But what was Matthew's gospel perspective? Matthew wrote to a Jewish audience, and his purpose was to show that from Jesus' genealogy and fulfillment of Old Testament prophecies, he was the long-expected Messiah. Matthew emphasizes that Jesus is the promised king, the son of David, who would forever sit upon the throne of Israel, and he came to establish his kingdom, what Jesus refers to as the kingdom of heaven. So who wrote it? As I stated before, Matthew is the author of the Gospel of Matthew, in scripture, he's also known as Levi, and he was the son of Alphaeus. He was a tax collector before he became a disciple of Christ, as stated in Mark 2.14 and Luke 5.27. After Christ's resurrection, however, Matthew is no longer mentioned in the New Testament. Theologians have different perspectives about when they think the Gospel of Matthew was written, ranging from A.D. 50 to A.D. 100, but the most widely accepted hypothesis is that both Matthew and Luke use Mark as a source to write their Gospels. So if Mark was written first in about 50 to 55 A.D., then Matthew's Gospel was probably written between 60 and 70 A.D. before the destruction of the temple. Now, we know that Matthew's audience was the Jewish people specifically, and the way that we know this is because Matthew quotes the Old Testament more than 50 times in his Gospel which is much more than any other gospel writer. And because he does not specifically describe Jewish culture and practices like the other gospel writers, it can be assumed that it's because his audience is already acquainted with those things. So what other things makes the Gospel of Matthew unique? Well, not only does Matthew's gospel contain many quotations of the Old Testament prophecies, but you'll notice that Matthew's gospel also starts off with a genealogy, which is different than the one that's mentioned in the Gospel of Luke. Matthew's genealogy traces him back to David and Abraham and also includes women. But we'll talk about the significance of this in the next episode. Matthew also mentions the kingdom of heaven a lot in his gospel, and this phrase is not mentioned in any other gospel. The way that Matthew structures his gospel is very unique as well. It contains five discourses. So discourses are large blocks of Jesus's teachings or sermons that can be found throughout Matthew's gospel. And these discourses are surrounded by narratives or stories about what Jesus did in his ministry. The end of these five discourses always end by Matthew writing when Jesus had finished these sayings or something similar to that nature. You'll see this in Matthew 7, 28, Matthew 11, 1, Matthew 13, 53, Matthew 19, 1, and Matthew 26, 1. 
So now I'm going to give you an overall blueprint of the structure of the book of Matthew. So first we have the introduction, which is the infancy narratives from chapter one to two. And then we have another group of narratives from chapters three to four. And then from chapters five to seven, we have the Sermon on the Mount, which is the first discourse. And then that's followed by another group of narratives from chapters eight to nine. And then we have our second discourse, which is the commissioning of the apostles in chapter 10. And then we have another group of narratives from 11 to 12. And then we have the parables about the kingdom, which is our third discourse in chapter 13. And then we have another group of narratives from chapter 14 to 17. And then we have another discourse in chapter 18 about relationship within the kingdom. And then that's followed by another group of narratives from chapter 19 to 22. And then we have our final discourse, which is about eschatology and the coming judgment from chapters 23 to 25. And then we have our conclusion, which is the passion and the resurrection narratives from chapter 26 to 28. So what's the overall message of the Gospel of Matthew? So we know that his purpose in writing was to the Jews to show them that Jesus of Nazareth was the expected Messiah who would bring God's kingdom to earth and establish a time of peace and justice. Jesus is the son of God, a king and the promised savior. Matthew opens his gospel by letting us know who Jesus is. He is the Messiah and he comes from the lineage of David. But he closes his book with the great commission about what we should do with this information. Because Christ is the Messiah, we are to go and preach that good news to the world and make disciples of all nations. Other minor themes in Matthew's gospel include the conflict between Jesus and the religious leaders, Jesus as the fulfiller of the law, and the king who will return in the clouds one day. Matthew also includes many of Jesus's teachings or discourses that describe how his followers should conduct themselves. For example, he teaches us about prayer, about fasting, about the cost of following him, and so much more. So why is the Gospel of Matthew important for us today? With all of this in mind, there are three reasons why this Gospel is important. First, it reminds us that God keeps his promises. The Israelites had been waiting for a coming Messiah for centuries, and they even went through a period of 400 years of silence where there are no prophets speaking before the Old Testament prophecies about a coming Messiah came to pass through Jesus. Second, it reminds us that God is still with us today. Jesus' name, Emmanuel, God with us, at the beginning of Matthew's gospel in Matthew 1.23, as he quotes from Isaiah in the Old Testament. But in Matthew 28, he reminds us that he'll always be with us again. Matthew 28.20 says, Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And lastly, God expects us to conform to the ways of the kingdom and not of the world. In the five discourses, Jesus has so much to say about what it means to be of the kingdom and be kingdom-minded through his teachings. So I pray that as we go through the book of Matthew together, that God will give us fresh insight into who he is, who his son is, Jesus Christ, and that it will prepare us for the promised coming kingdom that will come someday and that we would learn what it means to be of the kingdom of heaven, both now and eternally. And you made it to the end. I'm so happy that you guys were listening and that you were tuned in. I hope that you're excited about our upcoming study in the book of Matthew. And if you have any questions about what we talked about today or anything else, you can always contact me on social media at Study Faithfully. And you can also email us at hello at studyfaithfully.com. I look forward to having you here again next week as we start our study in the book of Matthew. I'll see you here soon.